empower us, enliven us for you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to Community of Faith, everybody. It's a pleasure, it's a joy, and a privilege to have you here today. I, I'm overwhelmed at times uh, uh, with uh, love for God, but also with a, with a revelation of such a love for you guys, such a kinship uh, that I feel. Like, I love you guys, but I also I like you. I enjoy being with you. I enjoy uh, seeing your faces, seeing you going for God, uh, seeing you if you're new. Uh, uh, I enjoyed seeing you worshiping. I just turned for a second, saw you worshiping, brother. I don't even know your name, but it was exciting. And just different ones that I've known for a while. Uh, I'm always strengthened by the crew right here uh, behind me here. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just it is exciting to be together. Let's turn our hearts to the scripture. Um, as we discuss and even mention today, there's a battle going on uh, in the nations. And this battle is a spiritual battle. We talked about it a few weeks ago, but it's a battle for the souls of men and women. Throughout all of eternity, God has had a purpose. And His purpose and His plan is that we would know Him and have a relationship with Him. And when Adam and Eve were broken uh, in their relationship with God through rebellion, uh, uh, it was Satan's deception. And the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, which is, uh, which is led by God Almighty, the uncreated, the, the uh, one that is almighty, all-powerful, all-everything, it, and the kingdom of, of darkness by uh, the enemy of our souls, the devil. There's, there's a war going on, and that's for men and women, for them to be brought back into relationship with God through Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms for all of eternity. For in reality, when all of this is said and done on earth, there is eternal existence for everyone, but eternal life for those who believe in Jesus. There's eternal death for those who do not. I would like, at this point in the natural, to say something politically correct and make everybody feel better. But the reality is that God made every way for every one of us to be, um, to be reconciled to Him. And I want to say this, God is more loving than you are and than I am. And for those, that we, those things we don't understand about uh, this, uh, we just wanna, I want to assure you, God is more loving it is not God's will that any would die or perish, but that all would be brought to repentance. But the only name for men and women to come to repentance is through Jesus' name. That's the only name. And uh, uh, it's not a correct thing to say in the world these days. You know, every way. You know, the coexist bumper. Absolutely, we want to love. I have very dear friends that are Muslims. I have dear friends that are from many different faiths, and I always, faiths, and I always will. I will care for them and love them. But... But the true coexistence in God is one that is through the narrow way of Jesus. And that way we truly can love. Anyway, this battle is going on in the nations for the souls of men. And we are called to be a part of it. Not battling it with, with our own flesh or with, uh, uh, with, with weapons of human warfare, but battling with humility and love to see men and women from every nation and tribe be brought back into relationship with Jesus. This is, this is something Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, 18, and 19 when he said, go to every nation preaching the good news and making disciples and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. But the battle closer to home, if we don't win, that is going to not allow us to win the, that ultimate battle is the battle for the mind. We spoke about that over the last couple of weeks. The first week we spoke about the nature of our enemy, Satan. And the way that he is a father of lies. And he does, not, uh, uh, he does not operate fairly. When your life is going rough, he doesn't 
take off the boxing gloves. He, he tries to bop you in the nose <laughs> even harder at that moment, right? He's not fair. But we have an almighty, all-loving God who is able and all-powerful uh, to redeem us and restore us and protect us from the enemy. The second week we spoke about, um, what is it that we spoke about the second week? We spoke about uh, conquering anxiety. And we talked about how uh, God wants us in our lives. If we are anxious and weighed down, we're not being the blessing God intended us for others. And we looked at a pattern in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 of how to cast our cares upon the Lord and uh, to, to live in a spirit of prayer so that we can conquer anxiety. Is anxiety a real thing? Absolutely. I felt it this morning. (laughs) But is it a real thing that can be overcome? Absolutely. I conquered it this morning by the grace of God and by the power of His name. Today we're going to talk about the subject of setting your mind. And it's going to be followed up next week, by the way, with renewing your mind, which is associated, but, uh, and Lori Good is going to be sharing. You don't want to miss that. Uh, Good stuff from her on what the Lord's taught her about renewing. But as I talk about setting the mind today, it reminds me of something. A little over two years ago, my wife and I were enabled by God to buy a house here in Brighton, Massachusetts. It's exciting. Uh, It was a miracle in every single (laughs) way you could imagine. Uh, We, I just, the numbers wouldn't add up and God did a number (laughs) on us and uh, worked it out. We had uh, lived in, uh, anybody out there been at our uh, old place on Etna in Brighton? About 950 square feet, right? You walk through the bedroom (laughs) to get to the kitchen. (laughs) Awkward house, you know. They should have, they should, (laughs) anyway. It wasn't supposed to be a bedroom, but it was. But anyway, we lived in 950 square feet. Great for us. When we got married, we moved in there. First place we ever lived. And we lived there for eight years. And we had um, all kinds of people live with us. Um, The Littles lived with us for a period of time. Uh, Um... Uh, Melissa LaCasse lived with us for a little while. We had like all kinds of people in and out. We had our kids there. We had Jude there. Jake was in a closet. It wasn't a violation, but it was, you know, close. <laughs> we were raising him. And, and, um, but we loved it, 950 square feet. And God taught us through that that it's not the size of your home that determines hospitality. It's the size of your heart. Right? I'm glad you're excited. I like that. More, come on, bring it up. But you know what? (laughs) Uh, In the process, God did a miracle, and we got a home here in Brighton. We were able to buy, to purchase a home. Um, And uh, that happened a little over two years ago. And in this process, we we were able to settle here because we believe God's called us to reach this city, not us, but to work with the body of Christ to reach this city and to mobilize this city for that purpose in the nations that we're talking about. Well, anyway, as this came about and we were moving in, a very kind friend of ours, it was actually a father of a friend of ours, said, I want to buy you a big screen TV. You know, at first I'm like, oh, that doesn't seem real spiritual. Then I was like, yeah, (laughs) football. (laughs) But anyway... I don't like football anymore. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but anyway, so uh, he, he uh, took us to the electronics store, to the TV store, and we were looking at different TVs. And as we went along, um, they were explaining different things about the TVs, and there's the one. I'm not sure if it's true of, of them today, but he told us about different features of a plasma TV, right? But one of the features that this uh, salesman was telling about uh, us about was you need to watch out with this plasma TV, if you set the DVR on pause 
or you set your DVD on pause too long, what ends up happening is that, for lack of a better term, it burns the image on your screen. And in the background of your screen, you're going to have this kind of image. Uh, another word for it uh, here, as I would look, is um, it's called, um, what is that word? Image retention is one of the things. Image retention. And um, so even that, when you take it off of pause later, what happens is that you've got that image in the background all the time. You've kind of, for the sake of the TV, you've kind of messed it up, right? And you've got to be aware of that. <clears throat> but uh, in, in looking at it, that was an interesting thing. And, uh, but this, to me, is a good illustration about what we're talking about today. I still can't remember whether we bought the plasma or not. I'm not that big. I threw the box away. I was trying to figure it out. We got something. I just don't pause it too long <laughs> in case it's a plasma. Uh, <clears throat> but this is a great example to me of what we're talking about today about setting our minds. Uh, let's think about that for a second. Um, just as pausing for a long time on a particular program uh, or whatever you have on the TV will cause uh, something, an image to be re retained, or image retention as they call it, or an image to be burned in the back of that. So, as what we're talking about today in setting the mind, that's what we're talking about. In such a way, pausing, pausing long enough, reflecting long enough over a period of time in order that God, His kingdom, His purposes, and His goodness are are, so to speak, burned or retained in our minds in such a way that even when we're not pausing at that moment, right? Even when I'm not in my time with Jesus that morning, per se, or, you know, my, my quiet time, all my time is with Jesus, but my set-aside alone time with Jesus, even then it's affecting and coloring every single thing that I do. You see, that's what we're talking about when we talk about setting the mind. We've all, made, we've all had subtle images, and this is really, some of this is more related to what we're going to talk about next week, but I'll mention it. We all have had subtle images burned onto our minds, images that have been retained, right, that have a great effect on our daily lives. One time, I, I, uh, we had a young lady that shared with us in a counseling session that her mom uh, used to hide the good food from her and her siblings, uh, like, if it was something she, her mom really liked, <laughs> uh, she would hide it away. I'm not talking about, I mean, sometimes I hide things from my kids, three and four. But we're talking about something really, really hiding good stuff from the kids and uh, so that they wouldn't be able to, um, to eat it. And uh, this got burned to some degree in her mind, and it was imprinted in such a way that even... Um, uh, that even when uh, she came into a relationship with Jesus and she was trying to interact with Jesus, it affected her view of his generosity, whether he would really, really care for her to have the best or whether he wouldn't. These are little images, things that, that can kind of get burned in our minds. Um, but, um, you know, it crippled her ability to obey him only by getting that image dealt with. Okay, and by retaining, so to speak, by uh, setting her mind on God and his kingdom, was she able to be rewired, so to speak? Was her was her image in her mind able to be renewed in such a way that she was able to experience growth in her life with God and health in her friendships with others? 
So uh, it's very interesting uh, how this concept of setting the mind works. We're going to look today at what the Bible has to say about why it is important to set our minds. Say, set your minds. There you go. You just set it. <laughs> as well as what we're to set our minds upon, okay? We're going to look in the Bible at that. And uh, there's three areas, three key areas we're going to deal with uh, about setting our mind. The first one deals with our identity. The second one deals with eternity. And the third one deals with, uh, <clears throat> with humility, which results in victory. Now let's look right now at the Bible here. Uh, the, the first thing that we must set our minds on is the things above. That is our identity. I want to just uh, uh, read here real quickly. Uh, we're, uh, uh, read here in uh, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, and verses 1 through 4. Please read along with me up on the screen, or you can read uh, in, in your Bible or on your Bible app or whatever that is. <clears throat> it says here, Since then... Paul, speaking to the saints in Colossia, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. See, the thing is, why is this about identity? Because um, when we set our minds on things above where Christ is seated, that's where you really are. You're hidden with Christ in God. You're really here too. Don't get too weird. But you really are with Christ in God. And uh, I want to mention, you know, before Adam and Eve sinned, God and man were together, right? Completely together, unfettered communion and communication. Identity was no problem. <laughs> Adam and Eve didn't have any problem with their identity before they ate of the forbidden fruit. They knew who God was, and because they knew who God was with, with unfettered access, they could see him even with their eyes. We spoke a few weeks ago. It very clearly says in Genesis chapter 3, they, they heard the Lord's voice. They heard the footsteps. It was real. And because of that, identity wasn't a problem for mankind. Uh, or for Adam and Eve. Uh, but due to sin, right? When they sinned, it broke the relationship with God and man. And since then, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we, <laughs> the hearts of mankind, desires to find identity in, in a lot of different things um, uh, that aren't going to work, ultimately. Really, in reality, uh, people at times try to find their identity in relationships, Right? Relationships with other people. You, if you don't like me, I'm of no value. Or I must have you like me to feel valuable. Or, um, you know, whatever. <clears throat> people also are setting about trying to find their identity in being a success. Right? I'm not saying it's wrong to be a success. But to find our identity in our accomplishments. To find our identity in what we do. Uh, and the way, we, the way we do that is, is a faulty system. It's not ultimately going to work because our identity flows directly from His holiness and His love of us and His acceptance of us. Well, anyway, so when, we, when uh, Jesus came, right, uh, He died for our sin. He tore the veil that was between man and God, right? It was man could not see God 
even by the Spirit in a clear way, uh, before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But he, was, he tore the veil so that all of us could see him, and uh, we were reunited in our true identity in God. When Jesus ascended to heaven in the Spirit, you've got to get a picture of this. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he went up into heaven. You went with him, and I went with him in the spirit realm. Now, we don't understand that from our natural mindsets. I didn't even know him at that time, and you know, all, but, but in the eternal sense, everyone who places their faith in Christ by the spirit is transported to be with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It says we're hidden with him, right? You're here now, but you're also hidden with him. In the heavenly realms. This is your identity. You are holy in Christ right now as you are. But you're also becoming holy by living in this world and obeying God. You are accepted by God right now in the heavenly realms in Jesus Christ. But you're also working out your understanding of that acceptance. So when we receive Christ as our Savior, we're brought back into our true identity as sons and daughters We don't have to have the approval of mankind anymore. We have God's approval. You have his approval. Because you're doing everything right? No, but because when he views you, he views you in Christ. And he views you as one precious to him. How about this? We do not have to have some form of external success to feel good about ourselves. You're successful in Him. Who's more successful than Jesus Christ? Well, of course, no one. That's an easy question. But who's hidden with Him right now if they place their faith in Jesus Christ? You are successful in Him. Therefore, you do successful things. But not the other way around. You see, you're reunited. And setting our mind on this place in God, it's totally vital. Uh, We are seated with Him. How do we see these things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, you may ask? Through His Word. The Bible. The Scriptures. Whatever you want to call it. The Bible is where we see and understand. The first part of my time alone with God every day. Every day, right? I don't assume, oh, I've been with God. I've prayed for 25, 30 years, you know. No, every day I'm before Him again asking for a fresh imprint. This is what I do. I praise God the Father. I praise God the Father and I worship Him. I praise Jesus and I worship Him. I praise the Holy Spirit. I worship Him. Three in one. God is three in one. And I worship Him. But one of the things, man, every believer, I would say every believer should be very familiar with different passages that talk about Christ and where He is seated at the right hand of God. Revelation chapter 4, every day. It speaks about the throne which is surrounded uh, by uh, 24 elders and by living creatures which are known as the cherubim and seraphim. By the uh, thousands upon thousands and ten thousands upon ten thousands that are speaking, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. The whole earth is full of His glory. Man, Revelation chapter 4, I'm into it. God is seated on His throne. But man, it gets good. Keep going to Revelation chapter 5. The, the, John says in Revelation chapter 5, he says, there was a scroll bought, brought in heaven, right? He's got a vision of heaven. 
And he says there was a scroll brought and it was unable to be opened by anyone. And he said, I was weeping and weeping because no one could open the scroll. (laughs) Oh, but he had a revelation. It says, but I saw one like a son of man come. And this is describing the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his risen glory. And he basically said, Father, go ahead, give me that scroll. Go ahead and give me that scroll. What's that scroll? That scroll is when that scroll is broken, the curse is broken, and all of eternity will be consummated in Jesus Christ. And He's seated before the throne. He is awesome. He is in that place today. Gee, every day I remind myself, uh, Jesus, You are worthy because You were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men for God from every tribe and tongue, people and language. Jesus, when you rose from the dead on the third day, you ascended to heaven. You're seated at the right hand of the Father in glory. And every knee will bow before you and every tongue will confess that you are God. When I'm in Him, I'm thinking on Him. I'm meditating on Him. I'm with Him. And it's okay for me. Because <laughs> I'm with Him. He has all glory, all power. And um, we can't be passive about meditation in our lives. What are we meditating? What are you thinking about? What are you pausing to consider? I pause to consider God the Father, God the Son, next to the throne. And that impacts my mind. You see, uh, the first part is that time. But uh, I realize that out of that, my identity with Christ and in the heavenly places. I'm on earth, right? I'm on earth. But I'm hidden with Him. And every time I'm walking around, I may be talking to you, but I know who I'm with. And I know how much He loves me. And I do less weird things because of it. <laughs> you imagine? Well, yeah. But anyway. So what's the first thing? We set our mind on the things above. What happens if you don't set your mind on the things above? Well, it's already set there. <laughs> it's set on the things below. Um. So you can't just say, well, uh, peace out, you know. I'm not into this setting my mind. Well, your mind's going to get set or you're going to set it. But you can't just live passively and say, oh, somebody pray more for me so that my mind gets... No, you set your mind. We've at times been babied too much. I'm not able to set your mind. I'm able to pray for you. I'm able to teach you. I'm able to help you. I'm able to steer you in the right direction. But you've got to set your mind. And God's grace will be with you. Do you do it perfectly? No. Do you have to be an all-star? No. I mean, at times in my life, I felt like a spiritual dunce. Like others got it better than I did. But you know what? (laughs) Even a dunce can stay before God every day and meditate and just think about His goodness. And it changes you. The second thing we are to set our minds on are the things which are unseen. So the things above is my identity. Say identity. Right? That's your identity in God. He's there and you're with Him. But we meditate on the things that are unseen. What is that? That's eternity. That is eternity. Of course, part of what I'm saying to you is eternity. So these are connected together. But we are to set and to keep our minds on the things unseen. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 in the contemporary English version. <clears throat> I didn't get the full measure of that verse. Just 418 will be fine right now. Things that are seen don't last forever. But things that are not seen are eternal. That's why we keep our minds on the things that cannot be seen. 
the things that cannot be seen. And this comes and flows out of a scripture in 4.16 and 4.17 of Paul saying, I'm going through, uh, when you're going through these incredible uh, trials, which actually, if you look at them from eternity, are light and momentary afflictions. They're achieving something in you. Okay? But anyway, we're to set our minds on the things which are unseen. That is eternity. We're set on identity in Christ. We're set on eternity. It's so easy. Anybody think it's easy to get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent? Some of you right now are urgently thinking about, is it wild willies for lunch or is it, you know, somewhere else for lunch? I don't know. But it's so easy to get caught up and not live for what really lasts forever. Therefore, it's important to set our mind on the things unseen because there the truly real things. I know that seems kind of strange, but this body right here is is a tent, it says scripturally, that I'm in. But it is not my real ultimate body that I'm going to be carrying for all of eternity. I'm going to have a renewed body, praise God, in Him. um, But uh, it's important and vital that we set our minds on what's unseen. uh, Here's the thing. In this regard, in regards to Paul talking about trial, it makes all the difference that you see the unseen in regards to whether you're going to live your life bitter or you're going to live your life better. Are you going to live your life bitter because of the circumstances that are going on in your life? Or are you going to live your life better? Why did Joseph in the Old Testament, the... the um, Uh, the longest narrative in the book of Genesis is about Joseph. But Joseph, he said, guys, you did me wrong. His brothers uh, threw him into prison or ultimately sold him into jail and all this. He said, you guys did me wrong. But don't worry about it. Don't worry about it a bit. You're back here now. I'm second in command of all Egypt. He said, you meant it for evil, but God, you see, but God, but unseen. I see the unseen. God meant it for good. Let's have a party. I'm not bitter. I'm better. You see, when you look at life from a a standpoint of these people are doing this to me and this has happened to me and uh, there are victim things that have happened and I I feel broken about it. I've had things happen to me in my life that if I were to share them with you would fall in the victimization, if that's what you call it, category. I've been abused at times. Yes. But I am not a victim. See, all of these things that anybody does to me, there is a God in heaven. There is an unseen realm where God is in charge. He's in charge of my life. Nobody else is in charge of my life. They might have been in charge of that minute. They might have been in charge of that hour. But He's in charge of my life. Nobody can take it away from me. Nobody can take my life. Nobody can take your life away from you. Because the unseen realm, God is working in every way possible to redeem and renew your situation. Does He give you an easy life? No, He gives you an abundant life. He gives you a life that overcomes when you are done wrong. But you're not going to live in bitterness. You'll live in betterness. If you see the unseen things are more real than the things which are seen. C.S. Lewis in his book, The Great Divorce, tells about a man who gets on a bus going from the Greylands to heaven and he gets to heaven and uh, he's still in his gray lands body right <laughs> um, and he arrives in the heavenly realm and the country is the most beautiful thing that he's ever seen it's unbelievable uh, every feature of the landscape the streams the water the blades of grass but as he's in as he's in this heaven as he's taking a visit so to speak which is really not possible but 
for the sake of the story. As he takes a visit, he's walking along, and the blades of grass are killing him. <laughs> it's hurting him like anything to walk on the blades of grass. And he can't, and no one can, he nor anyone can pick up even a leaf. That, to me, is a perfect illustration of the fact that the things that are unseen, the things in the heavenly realm, are so real by comparison to what we are dealing with now that the blades of grass would hurt us <laughs> and that we wouldn't be able to even pick up a leaf because the reality is he not here, but it's in the unseen realm. There are so many choices. My friend Kurt Mailer says it this way, the war of a thousand choices. There are so many choices in life that if we're not seeing the unseen, we will opt out and go for the easy road. We will go for that which is not eternal. We will end up bitter in our lives. We will end up not better. But God has a good thing for us. So we are to... Op- to, to think about our identity in God, the things above. We're to think about eternity. We're to think about the things unseen. Well, I want to mention this on the things unseen, and I'll be closing it up here soon. I prayerfully meditate every day on the fact that God and His kingdom are eternal. I think about eternity, and I pray about it every day. At one point, I read a book on heaven every six months, and some of them, I didn't like them at all. I thought, this is lousy, but I thought, I'm going to keep thinking about it. <laughs> I'm going to keep meditating. One of them, I'm like, anyway. But somehow to say, I'm going to think about eternity. I'm going to think about heaven. I even read through, any of you that know Randy Alcorn, I've read two of his books. I slogged my way through them. They're all about eternity. They're long, painful, but anyway. <laughs> but what I desire to do every day is to think about it. And it's interesting that's been mentioned today two or three of the passages I was going to mention. Isaiah 40 talks about God's intense power and His amazing eternity uh, and, and just all of who He is and that eternity is real. What, what is going on behind the scenes is more real than what's in front of the scenes, so to speak. But the second, another scripture is uh, Psalm 90. Every day in my time with Jesus. Do I feel huge goosebumps? Not necessarily, but boy, I'm changed. You know why I know that? Because God's word doesn't return, uh, doesn't return void. I think this one. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you established the earth and the world, you are God. Praise you, Lord. I thank you, God, that you were before that. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Every single thing, every day. Just concentrating. Eternity. Getting my mind out of it. How do you get into eternity? Is it the latest fad book? Though I read a lot of books. No. It's right here. (laughs) Wish I had a more creative answer. (laughs) But I got the answer. (laughs) Right here. If you will put your mind, you will allow and pause, as we talked about with that initial illustration, long enough on the things of God, on the things above, on the things unseen. And then, if you will pause on what the Spirit desires. This is humility which leads to victory. Anybody want victory? Anybody want victory? I would say you do. Most people don't want defeat. Victory doesn't come the way uh, in the heavenly ways that it does in man's ways. Victory doesn't come with powerful shows of force. Victory comes through humility. Romans 8, 5 through 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind, um, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. 
We need to set our minds on what the Spirit desires. And that is because our natural uh, factory settings of sin, otherwise biblically known as the flesh, they're set on what the flesh desires. What does the flesh desire? (laughs) Let me tell you a few things. The flesh wants its own way. That's mine. That's not yours. That's my credit. I want it. Right? That's mine. That's my house. That was supposed to be my boyfriend. That was supposed to be my, that was whatever you want to say. My girlfriend. My, 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 my. The flesh is selfish, self-oriented, self-seeking, and self-obsessed. So the mind set on the flesh is always going to want its own thing. I want, and I got to make a way for me. I got to make a way for me. Well, that's not the mindset on the spirit. The spirit operates in a different way. It seems like a good plan to set our minds on what's good for me, doesn't it? But it's not really. When our minds are set on the flesh and we're demanding our own security financially and relationally, when we're demanding our own comforts and satisfaction, um, and where would that be? For examples, uh, in the area of sexual uh, freedoms and of um, addiction, when we demand the right to be right in any situation, um, factions and dissension, it ultimately ends up in death, not a life of peace and not a life uh, of the Spirit. What does the Spirit desire? Because He is God. He desires what God desires. Now, if anyone in all eternity, and I'll close with this, as the band comes up, please. If anyone in all eternity desired what the Spirit desires, it is, yes, you can say it again, Jesus. Jesus desired what the Spirit desires. Let's look at our Savior real quickly here to see what His mind was set on, a.k.a. otherwise known as His mindset, right? To see how we can know what the Spirit desires. Read with me in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-11. through 11. It says here, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, and by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he was found in appearance as a man, and humbled himself, being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every other name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. By looking at Jesus in this particular passage of Scripture, we see what the Spirit desires. The Spirit desires humility. Self-hatred? No. Self-denial. Self-denial is not self-hatred. We called you, I, I, I command you or suggest to you in the Spirit, love yourself. But the best way to love yourself is not to look out at all your own interests. It's to love God and let Him care for you. You know, um, if we demand victory in life, if we demand our own way in life, then we live in a way, um, uh, if we demand it, it doesn't come. But if we live in humility, we overcome greed, selfish ambition, lust, hatred, and all of those things. And it ultimately comes for the sake of others. I want to ask you this real quickly. Um, For those who are new in a faith journey, I want to challenge you to think about what your mind is set on. A little lower there, if we could. (laughs) Mindset. Is your mindset, if you're new this faith journey, is it one of identity and security? Is security in your identity or is it based on what others think about you and what you should be? Is your life consumed with things that don't really matter? 
once this life is over? Or are you willing to begin thinking about what will really matter when this life is over? For those of you who have a relationship with Jesus already, I want to challenge you to actively consider setting your mind. To set your mind on the things above your identity. To set your mind on the things that are not seen. Eternity. And to set your mind on what the Spirit desires. Walking in humility. Not demanding your own way. But laying your life down as a servant like Jesus. And ultimately I want to say uh, that um, if each one of us will get in a pattern of, of not expecting someone else to renew our mind. But taking of God's Word. And that's why it's important to be in your faith groups and with other people who can help you. You're like, I don't have a clue. Go to a faith group. Ask someone. They'll help you. To set your mind on the things above. Set your mind on the things unseen. Set your mind on what the, flesh, I mean, what the Spirit desires. And guess what? In, in that living life of eternity, uh, uh, you're going to live the life of abundance that God has for you. Let's pray. Stan, thank you, Lord, so much that this day is your day. Thank You that You desire for us to walk in You. And Lord, I thank You that You want us to have our minds imprinted in such a way that it affects everything we do. That we would know our identity is in Jesus Christ. That we would know that the unseen things and the unseen hand of God is in control of our lives in a way that keeps us from becoming bitter but walking better. And Lord, we would know that we don't have to demand our own way in life, but as we deny ourselves and take up of Jesus, then we will walk a victorious life for this life and for all of eternity. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.